0: I'm Gil McGregor, and the Lakers-Bucks game this week is not an NBA Finals preview.
1: I'm Scott Rafferty, and I'm excited to see if AD is actually the honest
2: stopper. I'm Micah Adams. Will the Bucks trade for Derrick Rose?
0: Welcome back to another edition of NBA Sound System. You know who's who, so let's just get into it. Uh, we talked a little bit about before, or already, we're previewing it a little bit, and uh, we got a big one coming this week. The Los Angeles Lakers travel to Milwaukee to take on the Bucks.
2: Game of the year, Gil.
0: G- game of the year in mid December. Game of the year uh, at the time of recording. The Lakers have won. 14 straight on the road. And if you want to be technical, they have w- not lost outside of Staples Center this year. Um, the Bucks just had a 18-game win streak snap. Some people said that they were threatening the Lakers' 33-game win streak from years back, but they just fell neither to— neither
2: here there. We don't need to talk <laughs> about that. We're moving they, on.
0: They just fell to the Mavericks, who were without Luka Doncic. But the Bucs, to be fair, are without Eric Bledsoe for some time— but let's just, what are we expecting? Uh, what's at stake Thursday in this game of the year? What, what's the biggest storyline?
1: The biggest storyline is, is Giannis against LeBron. Um, two MVP, potentially the two leading MVP candidates to this point of the season. Two of the best players in the league. Um, and as you were saying, the Bucs and the Lakers have been the two best teams in the league this season. Bucks top of the East, Lakers top of the West. Um, so this is just a good opportunity to see them go head to head.
2: I get the sense that this game means more for Milwaukee than it does the Lakers. Even though the Bucks have already beaten the Clippers twice, they've beaten the Rockets, I, f- I still feel like people aren't exactly taking Milwaukee as seriously as uh, might be suggested by their ridiculous 24-4 record. Uh, so I, I think it's a... It's a big game for both. It's the biggest game of the year, in my opinion. Uh, but I do think it's bigger for Milwaukee. I, I I think the the Bucks are looking primed to pick up yet another signature win.
0: Why do you think that they're not taking them as seriously as possible? Do you think it's it's last year the way they kind of came up short in, in the postseason, or do you think they just are lacking it, or or do you think they do have it and people just aren't realizing it?
2: I think there's a there's a little bit of a growing this like nagging, lurking feeling that it's going to be a great regular season team that they're going to put up ridiculous numbers they're going to just pound on bad teams but that uh that people think that they're still one body shy like i'm not sure if people this these bucks teams really remind me a lot of the pre-miami uh lebron teams in cleveland where it was like lebron they had a rotating cast of, of second fiddle guys they always won you know in in this the, the mid 60s and then push comes to shove in the playoffs they ran into teams with uh more star tap, more star power a little bit more built for that that postseason grind I, I get a little bit of that sneaking suspicion that what we're seeing in Milwaukee right now we've we've just we've already seen it and it's what happened in Cleveland uh, a decade ago.
1: Yeah, and I think it would be different probably if they made like a big change to their roster in the offseason. You know, if they, let's say they didn't sign Chris Middleton, they signed someone else or something like that, like a new look to this roster, um, and they were doing this, I think there'd be more to talk about. Um, but as you were saying, it's a very similar team to last year. Giannis has obviously taken his game to another level, um, which he's probably not getting enough appreciation for, although it seems unanimously he's number one in in pretty much every MVP ladder across the league, so maybe that's not fair. Um but yeah, considering when you think about how much attention the Lakers are getting and how little the Bucks are getting for how they have basically had the same start, um, it, it is pretty surprising.
0: You mentioned the MVP ladder, and that's something that I know we'll touch on a little bit. Giannis and LeBron obviously kind of take the forefront in this this matchup I mean, you know you have the supporting cast and then the team, the guys who support them and guys who fill out the rosters but all eyes are going to be on Giannis and LeBron Giannis people are he's a reigning MVP many people think that he is the best player in the league but LeBron has had something to say about that so far do you think that this has any bearing on their standing in the MVP race and, and who is your favorite or, or do you have Giannis ahead of LeBron
1: I have Giannis ahead of LeBron right now I it's hard to put too much stock into one game, but it's also one of those things that you, you look for kind of like statement games and statement performances, you know, with the MVP, um, it's a long season. You kind of point to certain games to, to have, you know, a Giannis triple double stands out because he outplayed LeBron and they beat the Lakers, um, especially when these teams only play two times. So, you know, there's only so much you can put into one game, but, but you can learn or, or take a good amount away from these kind of matchups. I think,
2: I think that, so I, I just, I'm going to, going to completely say something that flies in the face of what I previously said. While I do think it's a much bigger game for the Bucs than the Lakers, I think when it comes to the MVP discussion, I think this is a bigger game for LeBron than it is Giannis. Because I think that like, if the Bucks go on to win high 60s, even 70 games, and they finish with the league's best record, and Giannis puts these numbers up, he's going to win it. It's the, Everything we know about uh, voting from past years and all of NBA history says that no matter what happens, if that's sort of the season Milwaukee has, Giannis is going to win the MVP award. Whereas I think like LeBron's case is much more narrative driven, right? It's he's leading the league in assists. It's LeBron is getting his his big revenge season after missing the playoffs, and LeBron's you know trying hard on defense. And he's elevating <laughs> the Lakers, and there are, are so many of these narratives that I think that. You know, if Giannis were to win it, it truly is a game one to game 82. Whereas I think with LeBron, so much of it is narrative focused that uh, there are these reasons for, hey, do you remember that game back in back in December uh, where the Lakers beat Giannis and the Bucks in that big matchup? And so far this season, like we've seen LeBron lost head-to-head co- to Kawhi on opening night. Uh, and then they, they had the one loss to uh, Dallas where Luka... Kind of went crazy. I know they they split. They went, you know, one-on-one. He has yet to play James Harden. So I think that these sort of statement games mean more uh, in sort of building that LeBron narrative. Uh, but I agree with Scott. I have uh, Giannis one, actually James Harden two, and then LeBron at
1: three. I, I have Harden two as well. I Kyle Irving, who's been on this uh, podcast a couple times, uh, we were having a discussion in the office the other day. And I, I kind of, I, I, I'm confident that Giannis is number one right now. But I asked him, I was like, what is the case? against Harden for being MVP. Like, are are we just... We've talked about it before, taking him for granted. But like, before the season started, the GMs across the league voted him as the the number one guy in the league who they have to change their scheme for the most, right? And we've seen it all season long, double teams getting thrown at him as soon as he crosses half court. Like, the impact that he's making, the way that the Rockets are playing and the numbers he's putting up, I, I do think that he... I go back and forth on this every single day. I'm just, the more I think about it and the more I talk about it, I do think Harden is number two pretty safely right now.
0: Is there a way, you know, you look at the standing, you see where the Rockets are right now, and obviously you see, we talked about the Bucks being at the top of the league or right behind the Lakers. Is there a ceiling or a level that the Rockets have to reach given everything that they're dealing with where you can see Harden kind of surpassing Giannis as the favorite?
1: The, the easy answer is just move up the standings, right? If the Rockets are a, a number two seed, potentially even number one, I don't think they're going to get there. Um, but at that point, I don't, you know, Harden's case only improves. Um, but like what Michael was saying, if, if Giannis leads these Bucks to 65 plus wins, they're the number one team in the East, um, and then Harden's Rockets are the fourth seed or fifth seed or something like that, like I, it's, it's going to be harder to make a case for him over Giannis, I think.
2: There's just, there's too much noise around Harden. It's like, um, it's it's sort of like he he's the master of receiving the backhand compliment because i think that people point to his scoring and his exploits and i think that there's there's a certainly a, a ridiculous level of respect but i think some of it is sort of like begrudgingly respect like mm-hmm. people are just like well i guess if he's going to average 39 a game we we have to respect what he's done right whereas i i, I agree with scott like i i we're gonna just keep aggr- agreeing running in circles here but like Houston finishing fifth in the West is not going to result in James Harden winning it, winning the MVP. Right. So he's he's a guy that I think needs help. He needs the Bucks to come back to the pack. He needs LeBron to come back to the pack. Uh, he does not control his own destiny, even if he were to average, I think, 50 a game from here on out. But.
0: Yeah, we talk about one game, and that kind of got me thinking – the Bucs lost that game, and as I mentioned, Luka Doncic, who's also been on the MVP ladder, and we had a discussion about who was more important to their team or more valuable to their team. He goes down. Chris Dasingis has a virtuoso performance. The Bucs fall. Giannis has forty eight, but and Carlin Gay is not here with us, but I'm sure he would cringe at me saying this, but they lose because they're without their starting point guard, Eric Bledsoe. Does that not do anything to Giannis's value? Or is it just one game?
1: I mean, we we saw them get a good win over the Pelicans. Obviously, the Pelicans aren't a very good team this season, but they they, they beat the Pelicans pretty handily without Giannis. Um, I I don't know. It, it's one game. I think we have to see more of it. Again, going back to this whole thing, you can't take too much away from one game. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I I don't know how much I put into that to be perfectly honest.
2: I don't know. I I think that win win or lose, I don't know. Just just missing Eric Bledsoe in a game. Really moved the needle a whole lot. Like they didn't lose that game because uh, they they missed it. They mm-hmm. they lost that game because everyone outside of Giannis and Kyle Korver were awful. Mm-hmm. And even then, they still like they played. They 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 really did play horribly mm-hmm. outside of those two. They get an offensive rebound late. Like they could they have could tied have had it had ch- in, the, in the very closing second. Yep. Sterling Brown gets gets the rebound instead of kicking it back out. Right. He gets rejected by Porzingis. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like uh, it, it took. The Mavericks going in there to St- Seth Curry having an out of body experience for a little while. I don't know. I, I think that you know Eric Bledsoe is and, you know we're going to talk a little bit later about what things that might hold this team back eventually. And I you know at, for all of Eric Bledsoe's uh, warts in the postseason, he's still a really good player. Mm-hmm. But I think that like the Eric Bledsoe conversation isn't one for December. That's one for for May yep. and, and and maybe June.
0: Yeah, that make that makes sense, and and it, and it could say something about the Maverick supporting cast too. You know, we talk about Luca kind of dragging a team, or we we sometimes say that, but maybe we're not giving them as much credit as they deserve when we think about that one on one. You Dude, talk.
2: I just want to, you know, we we're talking about Luca and James Harden, and and certainly Le, LeBron and and Giannis. Are we are we sort of disrespecting Anthony Davis in the MVP discussion? Do we feel like he's just been sort of cast aside unfairly?
1: I, I think the top four is pretty safe with that, right? Like you, I don't know if you can put him over Luca. You definitely can't put him over James Harden. I don't think you can put him over LeBron. right? Why and is then,
2: LeBron a better MVP candidate than Anthony Davis? Because I think he is, but I I actually haven't heard anyone yeah say like to me beyond reader. the whole narrative stuff. Like, I mean,
1: Le, LeBron is running the offense of one of the 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 best the team of the best record in the NBA right now. Um, he's having a historic season in terms of him leading the league in assists and things like that. Um, AD's probably not getting enough attention for what he's doing defensively and how he's helped turn that team around. But I I ultimately think, you know, there was a lot of talk going into the season and it's felt like we've had this discussion um, for years now about kind of LeBron... Handing it off to you know the next superstar on that team, we heard it with Kyrie and things like that. And every year, it kind of seems like everyone talks themselves into this being the year that LeBron would pass the torch on to someone else. Um, but it I think it's becoming pretty clear that no matter how old he is, as long as he's on the team and he's you know playing at this kind of level, he's always going to dominate the headlines. Um, so I, I, I think AD there's definitely a case for him to be fifth in MVP right now. I just don't know if I move him beyond that.
0: You know, to your point, I, I completely agree. I think that. Kind of goes with who LeBron is and just who he's been since he came into the league. Um, it kind of just commands that that respect or commands that attention to where um, he is the guy on that team, in, in regardless of how good a supporting cast is or whoever it is, and I think it is kind of fair to say, at least twenty-seven games into the season, that Anthony Davis is the best teammate that he's that he's had. I mean, D Wade and, and Miami might have something to say about that, um, but but just the fact that he's you know entering his prime age wise and the way he's playing and what he's doing on both ends of the floor uh i just think like you said the credit that lebron gets for um really being that point guard and and kind of being the 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 coach on the floor that kind of keeps everything aligned and in check and then the narrative with with what he's bouncing back from really does help his case
1: and i think that sorry um uh, another thing just something looking at like his on off numbers The Lakers go from scoring basically 114 points per 100 possessions with LeBron on the court um, to 101. So that's a differential of nearly 13 points per 100 possessions, which is just outrageous. Um, You obviously don't want to put too much stock into these things because it can be a little bit noisy and we're still working with a relatively small sample size. Um, But it's only plus 0.8 with AD on the floor. Um, that's not to say you know Anthony Davis is nowhere near as valuable to this team as LeBron is, um, but LeBron it really is driving that offense. It's
2: interesting. I think like you know you, if you start to if you just look at you know base base level stats across the board and then a couple of sort of catch all stats, uh, and you remove the names, you might come away thinking Anthony Davis is, is having a better year. He's scoring more. He's rebounding more. He's been the best defensive player in the league by far, uh, leading the charge for what's been. I don't know, if not the league's best defense, certainly one of the top three defenses. you know, higher player efficiency rating, uh, you know, more wind shares, yada, yada, yada. And then I'm glad that you mentioned the on-court, off-court stuff because I think that's one of the nuances here with LeBron's season. So if you look at the Lakers with both of those guys on the floor at the same time, they have a net rating of about plus 12.2. Uh, for context... That's about two full points better than the Warriors uh, when they went 73 <laughs> 9. So, like that, they've been awesome. Remove AD from the equation and leave LeBron on the floor. The Lakers have actually been better. It, it, they're, they're outscoring teams by 14 points per mm-hmm. 100 possessions. But you flip it and you have all of the the AD minutes without LeBron, and we're starting to get to the point where that's not a that's not an insignificant number of minutes. And, and they've been outscored uh, to the tune of about five points per 100 possessions. So really it is, you know, I, I, sitting so here asking you guys if there's a case to be made for Anthony Davis over LeBron, um, I mean, that would be one reason why there's just not, not right. as great as he is I do think he's the runaway leader for defensive player of the year though
0: so you you mentioned that and that's a that's a great segue um obviously LeBron and Giannis are the guys who kind of take the center stage but they probably won't be matching up one-on-one Anthony Davis is our favorite for defensive player of the year it seems consensus um do you think that he is the guy best equipped to guard Giannis and can he do it without help
2: I think he's the only guy in the NBA that can do it without help. I, I think That's going too far?
0: No, I think he's best suited
1: to do it. Um, they've played each other 12 times in their NBA careers. Um, I, I, I look back at NBA.com's tracking data. They only have it from the last three years. Um, but the numbers kind of show that, that AD does play Giannis well. So over the, the last... They haven't played against each other this season yet. So the two seasons prior... Um, with AD matched up against Giannis, Giannis has scored a total of 29 points on 10 for 24 shooting from the field. And knowing Giannis, you know, the kind of shots that he takes, a lot of those are around the rim and everything. Um, that points pretty well to AD being able to match up with him. Um, again, there can be some noise with those numbers. So one of the biggest takeaways from this game for me is going to be how Anthony Davis does match up with Giannis and whether or not, because we, we were talking about it before, Micah, Kawhi got a lot of attention, um... For, for how he defended Giannis in the playoffs last season. And he did a fantastic job. There's no denying that. But he also received a lot of help from the Raptors. Mark Sol was fantastic defensively in that, that series. They built a whole scheme around basically blocking him off and getting into the paint. Um, so I think when you look at someone like Anthony Davis and how he matches up with Giannis physically, he is definitely better suited than a Kawhi Leonard to take him more one-on-one, although he's probably still going to get plenty of help just because of how dominant Giannis is. Is
2: Al, is Al Horford... In that conversation among best guys that can sort of give him trouble, uh,
1: th- that as of l- like this time last year, if you asked me that, I probably said yes. Um, but Giannis, I think, kind of figured him out in the playoffs. Um, although that's another team. I think the Seventy Six is one of the reasons that I picked them as my favorite to go to the final in the East this season is because I like how they can match up specifically with Giannis. Um, you know, even if even if he has kind of figured out Al Holford, it's very different when. Al hope it's matching up with him, and then he has to get around him, and then Joel Embiid is standing underneath the basket. Um, same thing, you have Ben Simmons on him. Even if he can get around him, you have both of those guys around the basket now. So I actually do like how the seventy sixes match up with Giannis specifically. Um, but I think when you say one-on-one, which player in the league can match up with him best defensively, the answer probably does have to be Anthony Davis. Yeah, they've
2: they've played, you mentioned the 12 head-to-head meetings. Giannis has only scored once, or has only, has only scored once. Now that would be ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, has only scored thirty uh, once in those twelve head-to-head meetings. Look, I, I think you you got to take some of that stuff with a grain of salt because yeah. half of their meetings came when Giannis was certainly not, not this Giannis, version. Yeah. But if you look at just the last six meetings, which is that's dating back to when Giannis first became an All Star, uh, they're three and three. Davis twenty-eight, twelve, and three blocks in those six meetings. Giannis twenty-four, eight, and one. So I mean, still really good, but like. That's not even close to Giannis being Giannis. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, even going beyond, like the matchup data is great and I love it. I use it all the time myself. I think that's one of those things, too, where if you were to take, let, let's say the matchup data with Kawhi guarding Giannis was the exact same as Anthony Davis uh, guarding him, and then you sat down and you watched every single one of the plays. I, I would I would bet my mortgage, my car, uh, my my five twenty nine college tuition plan on everything uh, that Kawhi is getting twice, three times as much help uh, as Anthony Davis needs.
1: Yeah, I mean when you look at it, Giannis just just size wise, six foot ten, two hundred fifty pounds, long arms. Um, that's the kind of player uh, that you want to be able to match up with Giannis. Kawhi, obviously, I mean Kawhi is just he's so strong. Um, and that helped him keep Giannis out of the paint and and prevent him from um, fouling him and sending him to the foul line all the time. Uh, but I do think, again, like I, I think when you just look at one player in particular, Anthony Davis matches up best with him.
0: You, you talk about that and you talk about how Al Horford gave him problems in, in the postseason year before last when, when they were able to to defeat them in seven games. And you think about, his size, his strength, his defensive savvy, and also I, th- I think help is a big part of it regardless of who you're talking about. Some players need more than others, but you think about the Lakers and the size they have now. Getting, you get past AD somehow, then you have JaVale McGee or, or Dwight Howard uh, as, as a back line of defense just to make things more difficult. Um, it it kind of leads me to kind of wonder what even – Do you consider a success when guarding Giannis' averaging 30 and 14 a game? Is it making it less efficient? Is it holding him to 25? What is it really that you would consider a success for the Lakers as a team? Because you're not going to stop Giannis by yourself. But slowing him down, what do you think is a team success for them Thursday?
1: I mean, the answer is efficiency. It's what we saw in the Raptors um, series last year. He still... I don't have the numbers in front of me. He still averaged, I want to say, 24, 25 points per game um, from game three onwards, which was when the Raptors made the adjustment to put Kawhi on him. But his field goal percentage was significantly lower. I think it was closer to 40% rather than 50% in the first couple of games. Um, and again, going back to what I was saying before, when you, Giannis is a guy who scores the majority of his points in the paint, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're holding into that kind of shooting, knowing the kind of shots that he wants to take, I think you will take that any day of the week.
2: One of the things that I, I find really intriguing about these two going up against each other, maybe more than anyone else, we, you know, we, a couple weeks ago on NBA.com, we ran, uh, ran, ran a debate about who the best center in the league is, right? And we limited, it was a conversation about Joel Embiid and Rudy Gobert and Nicole Jokic. Um, and absent from that conversation was Anthony Davis. And absent from that conversation was the Greek Freak. It's because neither of them think that they're a center. I would love if in this game, uh, either Buttonholzer or Vogel decided, you know what, we're gonna play you at the five. Because if Bud says we're playing you at the five, and the Lakers insist on having on having Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee out there, like, what? All right, let's go. Let's let's see what you got. Like, force the other team to make an adjustment. Mm-hmm. These two guys. I know James Harden uh, received that um, vote in that GM poll about who's the guy that causes teams to make the most adjustments. I think that's uh, that's true, but I think that's true because it sort of lends itself to like gimmicky stuff. Right. But in terms of like the actual changing who is physically on the floor and changing rotations and the ability to just completely wreck havoc on everything else that a team does, I am I am. I can't wait to see the chess match uh, that goes on with, with Davis and, and Giannis specifically. I hope that we see them at the five playing each other.
1: Uh, I wonder if we won't, just because I think maybe Eric Bledsoe's injury prevents the Bucks from from going small. Um because if you if you're building a lineup, a small lineup for them, it probably features him and then George Hill or something, right? Um so maybe that prevents them. I also wonder if that's just something that both these teams keep in their back pocket, considering they're only playing twice this season. There's a good chance they will meet in the finals. Um, so maybe you just don't show that card yet, um, you know, if do it's you, just one or two do games. Do you
2: think that they will meet in the final? Is this a finals preview?
1: I, I still think it's too early to say. I really do. Like, the, the Clippers just... So I no. So it's not. Well, I, I picked the Clippers and the Sixers okay. to make it. Um, I, I think the Bucks have been... The Sixers have been a bit of a disappointment this season. I still think that they're really well-suited for the playoffs. And I just... I, I, I still think the Clippers... I, I, the Lakers are a better team than the Clippers right now. But I think that the Clippers have a high higher ceiling selling. if they can make everything, uh, if they can figure everything out. Um, so I, I don't I don't necessarily think this is a finals preview, but there's a good chance
2: that it is. Gil, what about you? Uh,
0: I mean, I have to double down. I was with Scott preseason. I, I, I picked Clippers, Sixers, um, just because, I, again, I think the Clippers have a higher ceiling. And I think that the Sixers, like we've talked about, have Ben Simmons and Al Horford and Joel Embiid. I think... Getting Al Horford this offseason had Giannis and Gumbo in mind. It had it had Giannis in mind just to make things difficult for him. They have a lot of different adjustments they can make in a seven game series. And again, those those doubts that we've had about the Bucks likening them to the uh, pre Miami LeBron cast teams, I just kind of see that kind of history repeating itself. And I think that the Sixers will just be able to make more adjustments to to eliminate them in the postseason once it comes down to it.
2: Yeah, I I think that this is half of the finals. I think that the Bucks are going to get there. Okay. Uh, I'm not a believer in Philly. That's a long conversation and we don't need to go down there. There's, I believe in Miami more and in Boston more, and uh, you know we'll we'll just Boston. leave it at that. We'll leave it at that for now. I there's, do. There's think a
1: 30 minute solo pod of Micah ripping into Ben Simmons coming up every day. Up. <laughs> every day, a 30 minute pod off the mic.
2: I do think that the uh, the Clippers are the biggest reason why this is not a Finals preview, mm. um, and. I am, though. I am, for the first time, I think I'm starting to waver on that a little bit. I still believe it. But to me, like, the the play of... Ant- like, for, for all the reasons we already said, like, LeBron is the ultimate trump card. He's the guy that, that makes it all work in mm-hmm. L.A. He's the MVP candidate when push comes to shove. It's going to be really hard to pick against LeBron in a playoff series. That said, like, we've seen Kawhi beat LeBron. Right. We've seen Paul George... Push LeBron to seven games, and now they're both on the same team. The, the one thing that that neither of those teams had is anything remotely resembling Anthony Davis. And, you know, you start to look at the Clippers a little bit, and, man, I'm just... As, as great as Harrell is, as great as those wing defenders are, as great as Pat Beverly is, I don't think that they are prepared remotely for what Anthony Davis can do inside. And I, we talked a little bit about how in this game we might not see the whole, you know, Anthony Davis at the five, Giannis at the five. I think that's something that uh, the Lakers are, are playing. I think they're, they're, they're playing possum a little bit the entire regular season, and they don't want to let teams have any film on what it looks like when, when Anthony Davis is playing center. Uh, I don't think that this is a finals preview because I don't – I still am going with the Clippers – but, man, I, from what we've seen from Anthony Davis, this is the first time I'm starting to think that this actually, this game right here, we might be seeing seven more of them come June.
1: Um, I agree with you that I, I was very confident that the Clippers were the best team uh, in, in the Western Conference going into the season. I, I wasn't as big of a believer on the Lakers, and that's starting to change. I think that this team is legit. They've proven that. Um, and I'm higher on, much higher on them now than I was going into the season. That, I mean, yeah, Anthony Davis is is the ultimate difference maker in that series, right? I just think ultimately, if he's playing really well, and then they can make life difficult enough for LeBron. With let's be honest, I think I don't think there's two guys better to match up with LeBron than um, Paul George and Kawhi. And I mean, who knows? There's a, there's a chance that this team gets Andrew Gudala, and then if they do that, um, you have three guys. You can throw three guys on LeBron like that. Um, and maybe you just live with AD getting whatever it is, as difficult as it is against a guy like Trez. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's still too, too soon to know if this is a finals preview.
0: And that's the thing you kind of talk about, biggest concerns. One thing that we talked about earlier was what was those on-off numbers and when you watch them play a lot of times you see LeBron come out and it just is a huge drop off and that's my biggest concern with them do they have one guy who can kind of uh create for himself or create for others I know Rondo is supposed to be the guy who can create for others is supposed to be the guy who can come off the bench and create for himself and I just necessarily I haven't necessarily seen enough Of either of those guys yet to be comfortable with that at the time of recording the Lakers are 24 and 3 have a four and a half game lead over the Clippers Um, the Bucks are 24 and 4 have a four game lead over the Sixers right now in the Eastern Conference and you look at those records and they stand out do you see either of these teams getting to 70 wins because they're kind of on pace right now
2: I've been beating the drum on Milwaukee I'm, I'm still gonna keep I'm beating that drum still even after they lost to Dallas I think they're gonna win 70 Right now, uh, 538 has the Bucks pegged for 65. The Lakers pug pegged for 62. Uh, I, I would take the over on both of them. Um, and look, like it's there's a, 70 wins is there's a there's a reason it's only happened twice in NBA history. It's because it's really freaking hard, right? The Warriors winning 73, the Bulls winning 72. However, uh, you know. Both of those seasons, there was another team that kind of was in that seventy-one discussion as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Spurs won sixty-seven the same year that that Golden State won seventy-three and nine. And actually, San Antonio finished that season uh, with a better net rating than the Warriors mm. did. Um, it, it's a shame we we never got to see that,
0: the full the, series.
2: that, that postseason series. But I, I, you know, that's that's an instance where like one of the you need a lot of luck to go your way to win seventy games. The Warriors. They had a lot of lucky bounces uh, throughout the regular season. A couple of more of those go a different way, and who knows? Maybe we would have had two seventy-win teams uh, back back in in fifteen sixteen. So I don't. I I think that the Bucks are going to get there.
0: The Bucks have to go forty six and eight to close the season in order to win seventy games. Just saying, it kind of sounds a little ridiculous, but you know,
2: Scott, you're looking at me like I'm crazy. I I don't think it's crazy. I just don't think it's likely. I think as you so you saying, don't think it's going to happen. You I, think there's I don't, no shot.
1: No, I, I think as I think both teams have a shot when you look at their records right now and everything like that. I just don't see it happening. I do kind of wonder with that 73-win season for the Warriors, and they had that huge winning streak to start the season. Um, I do kind of wonder if teams are going to learn from that and kind of take their foot off the gas. Um, maybe the Bucs are losing, as of this recording last night, to the Mavericks. Maybe that's a blessing in disguise because then they don't feel like they have to chase 20 wins, 30 wins, go for that Lakers record or anything like that. And I kind of think for the Lakers... I do wonder if we're destined for March and April for LeBron and AD to start getting some rest. Um, same thing for the Bucks If Giannis misses some games, again, they played really well against the Pelicans, but maybe they drop a few. I just think there's too many... Um, possibilities for them to drop those kind of games. And I think both these teams very clearly want to compete and win a title this season. So I think everyone from top to bottom in those franchises is going to have that in mind um, and do whatever is necessary.
2: for I, I just think I think it's a foot-on-the-gas mentality for both teams. Like we, We've already heard like LeBron had, had the, the, the post-game comments the other day about saying, if I'm healthy, I'm going to play. I don't know how many games I have left. Like he, he is clearly on a mission uh, to prove a lot of people wrong uh, that's why I, I don't know if the Lakers are going to win 70, but I, I think they're, they're mid-60s, high-60s. And then with the Bucks, like, you mentioned the, the, the thing with, you know, sort of the, the cautionary tale of the Warriors. One of the reasons I think this Bucks team is different is, like, yeah, they lean a ton on Giannis, but, I mean, that that guy is an absolute, complete physical freak of nature, unlike anything we've, we've really ever seen outside of – Maybe Anthony Davis. And he's also just 25. Uh, exactly right. Where like that Warriors team was a little bit older, a little bit, um, you know, they 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 just they played uh, so frenetic and frantic and all over the place, and it was really on the shoulders of Clay, Steph, and Draymond, and then a pretty steep drop off. I mean, I- Iguodala and Livingston and and those guys were, were still certainly in you know late late back into their primes, but I think that this Bucks team is such. There's such a a uh, um, they're so predicated on incredible depth and sort of a it's a different guy stepping up every night like Kyle Korver perfect example of he's probably been what Milwaukee's 10th best player and he's easily the second the second best player uh, for the Bucks in that loss against Dallas I also think working in their favor uh, both of these teams are currently at the time of this recording 18 and 0 Against teams with losing records, they are complete. They are taking care of business. Milwaukee, in particular, is leaving zero doubt. Yeah. Right, like Golden State. One of the things about the seventy-three and nine season that was so impressive is like there weren't that many pushover wins. Milwaukee, like we talk this season about how like the East, the top of the East is just as good as the top of the West. The bottom of the East is awful. There's a lot of really easy free wins. Night in, night out from Milwaukee, in particular, uh, more so than the Lakers. I mean, you start lining up the Knicks and the Bulls and the Hawks, and even like the Pistons haven't been haven't been good. The Wizards, the the Magic have been far from impressive. So I don't know. There's just there's a lot of there's a lot of layups out there from Milwaukee to to sort of stack up wins without really trying. That's the biggest reason I think they're going to get
0: The, the Bulls center. did just beat a Clippers team that wasn't really trying, though. So, you know, watch out watch out for those they Bulls.
2: They also just blew a 25-point <laughs> lead again to and Oklahoma take, City. Take,
0: take, take the good with the bad. Take the good with the Is bad. Is Chris
2: Paul 26
0: years old? I mean, he's just turned he back looked the clock like it. every every now and then. He turns back the clock. Pretty pretty impressed by that.
1: One more thing I will say about that, by the way. I do wonder. So the Bucks have a four-game lead on the 76ers right now. I do wonder. Uh, the 76ers have been be- playing better lately. But I do wonder if the Bucks get, you know, an 8-10 to game lead on them. With a month to go in the regular season, again, I do wonder if that—that's kind of a sign that they start to take their foot off the gas, rest some
2: guys, um, knowing that that number one seed is safe. That's fair, because San San Antonio did push uh, Golden State to to sort of stay with it till it wasn't even obvious that they were going to win the West till like what two weeks left in the regular season, and then at that point, then of course you go for it. So.
1: And same thing with the Lakers, by the way. They have a four and a half game lead over the Clippers. I think the Clippers quite frankly i don't think they really care about the regular season what happens i think you know they share an arena with the lakers the lakers are going to have a bigger fan base if they match up in that series so i think no matter what um this whole regular season and we know about Kawhi. he said it last year how he kind of uses the regular season as as you know a tune-up for the playoffs so again with the lakers i think if they get a comfortable lead and have that number one seed locked up i do wonder if they start to rest guys
0: you talked about the 76 playing a little bit better lately. I think a part of it is just incorporating new pieces. Josh Richardson, Al Horford, completely different starting lineup from years past. And one thing we kind of talked about, like you kind of hinted at, um, you think that perhaps maybe the Bucks need to make a move to be that team that they need to be. What do you what do you think about them making a move? Something they might need to adjust to do to to close out down the season and to be better suited to. For I
2: think I think their two biggest needs. Well, the the, the biggest need is they need another ball-handling playmaker. Um I think, you know, we Eric Bledsoe is we've just seen time and time there's too much history with Eric Bledsoe disappearing uh in big spots in the playoffs. I'm just I'm not saying that's going to happen again, but if it does, there's not like another option on the team. Like Malcolm Brogdon is no longer around mm-hmm. that you can just sort of sit bloodstone and say we're going to play brogdon and george hill like george hill is still there and george hill has been very good i do think they need a ball handling playmaker there's there's two names that i had written down as potential targets uh and kind of they would be two different sort of levels of swinging for the fence because i don't think it's a scenario where it's like a fringe guy that matters like Mm -hmm. you can get like a jordan clarkson or somebody that can kind of do that but like we're not going to talk about Jordan Clarkson swinging like the Bucks' title hope. So I think it's a bigger move. Uh, the two guys I had are Drew Holiday. If the Pelicans Ooh. just decided, you know what, this, this ain't it, I wonder if that's actually a team that would be okay taking Bledsoe back, knowing that Bledsoe can kind of play a little bit of that similar role. They could save a little bit of money, uh, and he's still good enough that they can try to win next year with Bledsoe once Zion is healthy and, and all those pieces. So Drew Holiday uh, is, in my opinion, just a better version of Eric Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. And then the, the other guy that I think, and this is the one I, I like even more, uh, is Derrick Rose. Uh, we talked about uh, you know wanting guys to come off the bench, carry the offense for stretches, uh, get their own bucket in a crunch. I think Derrick Rose is, is a name – uh, especially if Detroit continues to fall through a little bit with Blake Griffin being banged up, he's a guy I think that that seems gettable. And I also just would personally, being a Bulls fan, I would li- I would like to see Rose in a, in a situation where he can contribute to a team that that is thinking bigger than maybe making a push for the eighth seed. So
1: I think Drew Holiday would be awesome for them. I just don't know if they can actually pull it off. Um, we we can talk about this with the Lakers too. But I, one of the tricky things about this Bucks team and the Lakers is that they're, it's gonna, they're just both going to have a hard time putting together packages to get a player like that. Um, you know, Chris Middleton's making 30 this year, Giannis at 26. Oh, 30. Beyond that, you're basically looking at Eric Bledsoe, Brooke Lopez, and George Hill as the three guys that you can move to get a guy like Drew Holiday. Brooke Lopez, they're not trading. He means too much to their offense and defense. Um, George Hill, as you said, is having a great season, and I think they need him to kind of be that Malcolm Brogdon to that roster. Um, so I, again, I think Drew Holiday would be fantastic for them. I also just think that like, if Drew Holiday does become available, there are going to be teams around the league that can put together a better package for him. Um, Denver is one team that comes to mind. Um, but De- Derek Rose is definitely an interesting one for them because I mean, like you're saying, he, he can kind of fill that role as a guy who can create his own offense. He's improved as a three point shooter later in his career. Um, cause we all know how teams are going to defend the bucks in the playoffs. The blueprint is out you help off of Eric Bledsoe, you load up on Giannis. Um, even, you know, as we were saying, in the Lakers series, if AD can match up with him one-on-one, even if Eric Bledsoe is on the court, that's another guy you can help AD a little bit and provide some relief. Um, so then if that happens again, you're relying a lot on George Hill, um, who, I mean, when he was with the Cavs, I kind of thought, I thought he was going to be a great fit for the Cavs. And then after that will happen, it kind of seemed like that was going to be the end of the road for George Hill, and he's kind of had, you know... A resurgence of yeah, some sort, right? Yeah, a resurgence, right? but I don't know how much... If you want to rely on him that much at this stage of his career. Could,
2: could we have a, uh, a Marshawn Brooks situation where the Bucks just <laughs> throw in the other uh, end of the Kumpo and hope, <laughs> hope the they don't notice the things that they're offering on us? <laughs> that, that that Thanasis and his $1.4 million contract. No. Yeah, slightly different than, than Giannis at 25.8. <laughs> what about the Lakers? What what sort of... You know, we we talked about... Milwaukee needing uh, you know another secondary creator uh, potentially more shooting you can never have enough shooting they they lost uh, Nicole Mirtich. Uh for the Lakers what's sort of their biggest uh, weakness that they can shore up what do you guys think
0: I, I I stand stand with somebody that's able to do a little bit of creating for themselves and for others I don't know who that is that's available um you know you mentioned Andre Iguodala going to the Clippers and I don't know again if the Lakers have any chance or, or opportunity to even do that I think he would make them stronger defensively um, gives them another look to give Kawhi or Paul George, and I think one thing that's kind of been an underrated aspect of him throughout his career is his ability to create. I don't think he we're, we're looking at Andre Iguodala at this stage in his career to to really be running the floor and scoring that much, but I do think that just he's so cerebral, he's so skilled, and his basketball IQ will allow him to do that. So that's the type of guy who I think uh, as we go further on in the season, there's going to be a, it's a little bit of a bidding war, kind of kind of intensifying a little bit, whether uh, people you know try to push Memphis to buy him out or people try to you know extend themselves or stress themselves then to to try and make that move to put themselves over the top so i think that that's a big name that uh he, he could do something for the lakers
1: again they're, they're gonna have they're just gonna have a hard time getting even someone like a who's making 17 million dollars a season because lebron ad and then danny green are the three highest paid players and mm-hmm. the only guys on the roster who are making more than 10 million dollars they're not trading any of them because they're, they're just so valuable to what they Close. do on both ends of the court so then you're looking at packaging together Two or three of Kentavious Caldwell Pope, Pope Avery Bradley, JaVale McGee, um, and then a Quinn Cook. Those are basically the only guys that you can use to match salaries. So it's going to be difficult. But I, I, again, like going back to the Drew Holiday thing, I think Iguodala would be a great fit on that team. Um, if there is any way that they can make it work, I think someone like J.J. Redick would be great for them. Mm-hmm. Um, not the, This Lakers team has been fantastic offensively, but I think they, they rank 24th right now in three-point attempts per game. You can never have enough shooting around a guy like LeBron and AD, Um, especially when you go back to those like Anthony Davis at center lineups. Running pick and rolls between LeBron and AD with three shooters around them is just I don't know how you stop that. So if you have someone like a J.J. Redick hanging out in the wings, um, that's just going to make it even more difficult. Same thing for someone like Kevin Love. I don't think it's possible just given the salaries and everything like that. But if they can add someone who can, who can bomb threes, basically, I, yeah. I, I don't think you can go wrong. With I'm that.
2: glad you mentioned the, the the shooting. Cause I also had bottom 10 and shooting as a highlighted thing to, to talk about the, the two spots that I, that I think are the, are the most obvious upgrades for the Lakers. Uh, the, the fifth wheel in their most common lineup this season is KCP. And I think that that's a, a an area where they could, they could upgrade on the wing there. Um, and then in the fourth quarters of games, are they still really going to rely on playing Rajan Rondo uh, in, in, in big spots? Another name that's, uh, that I actually think, you know, is interesting from a trade perspective, uh, because he's young, he's cheap, he in theory is the Lakers best asset is Kyle Kuzma. Uh, and it's not that I don't think Kyle Kuzma is a good player, but I'm not sure that the Lakers are getting, they're not maximizing Kuzma's value. And I think that, you know, a guy that I was thinking about was, uh, Gil, you mentioned this name last week, is Davis Bertans mm-hmm. on Washington. Would Oh, man. Would, would KCP uh, KCP's money would match it? Is Kyle Kuzma a good enough player uh, for Washington to decide that, you know what, sure, we'll ship Bertans and his expiring out to the Lakers? Because the thought of that dude – Playing off of LeBron and that's AD terrifying. is absolutely horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. like, that's the name that really I, I look at and see and I start to lose my mind a little bit, much more so uh, than Andre Iguodala. And I also think, you know, we mentioned Derrick Rose as a possibility for the Bucks. I think Derrick Rose would actually be a pretty intriguing one uh, for the Lakers as well.
1: Yeah, davis Towns on that team would just be, would be outrageous because you, you'd have a closing lineup of LeBron, AD, Bertans, Danny Green, and then, you know, who, whoever take else you want to take, right? basically, um, which is three-point shooting at every position, um, space in the floor and things like that. If they got someone like that, I, I do wonder if the Wizards are willing to part ways with him because um, he's just been so good from this season, although he's probably going to get paid a lot on his next contract, yeah. so they're going to have to to pony up if that's the case. Um, but I do, he, I mean, he's a huge trade asset because when you look at As you were saying, there's not a team in the league that doesn't want or need more three-point shooting. Um, So if he's someone who becomes available, I I think he's going to get. The the Wizards are going to get a lot of calls. Is it
2: is it outrageous to think that Bertans is like take the names out of it, take the money out of it? Would you rather have Bertans or Kevin Love right now? If you're the Lakers, like not as as a number one option, it's Kevin Love. But like if you're bringing a guy into play off the ball spot up you're the at best the third the, the number three option would you rather have Davis Bertans or Kevin Love right now
1: I'd rather have Bertans just because I think when you have LeBron and AD you're going to want someone who is more comfortable basically just being strictly a spot-up shooter there's not going to be a ton of possessions to go around in that regard um, and I also think when you consider age contract and then Kevin Love's injury history, yeah. especially along two guys in LeBron and AD, who have had injuries. LeBron had injuries last year, especially at this age of his career, and AD's had injuries before. I think if you can get a younger guy and a healthier guy at that position, I think that'd be better.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going with Bretons as well. Uh, you know, you look at just t- just strictly shooting. I think Scott made a great point. A guy who would be comfortable just starring in that role as as being a guy who uh, really just just is spotting up in some games. He'll get you know 12 shots. Some games he'll get five you know i think that, that that is uh makes him the ideal fit for that lakers roster and it's something that uh, he also mentioned that their their gm did say they don't intend on moving him but as we get later in the season we might see him kind of kind of change change his stance on that and i think the lakers will be a team that's very 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 active in, in trying to get somebody like that
2: and kuzma would be a good i mean kuzma's a good player like he would that's a good piece for All washington right. to to add but i am happy that we've come to the unanimous Agreement that Davis <laughs> Bertans is better than Kevin Love,
0: and he's there the he answer has. to you, all the Lakers' problems.
2: You heard it. You heard it here first for sure, right?
0: For Sure, for sure. But that's the
1: thing. We, we know. We know Kevin Love is available. The Cavs have made that clear. Kevin Love doesn't seem particularly happy in his situation. We don't, as you were saying, Gil. We don't know if Bertans is available. If he's become, going to become available, um, so just because we think Bertans is better, it's. I mean, that's, I don't know how likely that still is to happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and, I, and that was my answer for for who was off the beaten path last week. Is there anybody else on a, I guess that's not being talked about enough, I'll go around really quickly as as wrapping up soon, but is there anything else going on in the league or another name who we might see come out? Obviously Derrick Rose is on a team that's not playoff bound, most likely. Berton's on a team that's most likely not playoff bound. Are there any other names that we think deserve a little more attention than they've been getting this year?
2: I I want to give attention, uh, but not not in the bad way. So I, I am a beloved Chicago Bulls fan and they blew another 25 point lead Uh, against Chris Paul and the Oklahoma City Thunder. But I do think, you know, one of the reasons that people, myself included, uh, but I'm not the only one that were a little bit higher or more bullish on Chicago, is they do have a number of intriguing players on that team, many of whom December 15th has now come and gone. That's a team I I think that they do have individual guys that could be useful pieces and impact players on teams Making playoff pushes, and not just the veterans of Thaddeus Young and Thomas Saddoransky and Otto Porter, but I mean, you even you even with, with how this season has gone, and it's kind of more of the same, you know, like the Orlando Magic are a team that have been tied to potentially getting in the DeMar DeRozan sweepstakes. What, what if DeRozan isn't the guy in Orlando, but maybe they'd kick the tires on Zach Levine? Uh, could Laurie Markinen be a name that. Uh, Chicago has started to sour on a little bit. Um, I don't know, but Chicago to me is a really interesting team to watch because they do have individual players that, while they are not fitting well together at all, it's been an abject disaster, a colossal disappointment, and just a breeding ground, a breeding wasteland uh, <laughs> out there out there in the windy, windy City. They do have guys, I think, that, that have significant appeal and could be difference makers uh, elsewhere.
1: I think the, the Cleveland Cavaliers are fascinating, not only because of Kevin Love, um, but Tristan Thompson as well. He's having a bounce back year. He's averaging um, about 13 and 10 um, and one block as of the time of this recording. He's interesting because he's he's an expiring contract. He's making $18.5 million this season. I don't know if there's a future for him in Cleveland. We It's very clear that this team is rebuilding. They're trying to get younger, build around their young guys and Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. So if they're not going to re-sign him um, this summer, it'd be worthwhile looking, pursuing trades, um, and seeing what they can get in return for him. And there should be a good market for him. Again, I don't know what specifically these kind of teams would put together um, for him, or if they could even get him. It's going to be tricky. But you think of like a Boston Celtics, like Tristan Thompson would be awesome. The so first
2: there. name, the first team I thought of when you started talking about Thompson yeah. was Boston.
1: It's it's very tricky for them because they're basically going to have to move on from one of Kemba. Gordon Hayward, Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart. So I don't know how possible it is, but he'd be fantastic there. The Clippers with Tristan Thompson would also be um, would also be scary. So I think that if he does become available, he's actually probably, you know, he, he might get more interest around the league than Kevin Love just because of the role he plays, what contract he's on and everything like that. Um, so it's, I, I'm going to be watching to see what the Cavaliers do between now and the trade deadline.
2: Yeah. what about you? What do you, uh, you called Berton last week when we recorded this? You said Bertans, and then he, he Goes turned out, into hits, Larry Bird here it, 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 in Charlotte. He hits
0: eight threes later on. Who are I don't, you, I don't,
2: uh, who I, are you blessing with your golden touch this week?
0: I don't, I don't know if I can, if I can top that. Um, I, I don't even know if there's anybody who, who can even be traded this year, but I, 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 that's a perfect way for me to say all this talk about Berton's. I think that. We don't give his teammate enough love. Bradley Bill is having an amazing season again. He's averaging a career high twenty seven point eight points and career high seven assists. Uh, we don't really talk about the Wizards that much, and understandably so. But it just it seems like every year and year out, um, the Wizards kind of don't get talked about. And then you have the All Star uh, reserve selection. You hear Bradley Bill's name and you see a stat line. And you're like, oh wow. So so I think you know the Wizards are in an interesting space right now. Uh, they 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 signed to an extension over the off and they're kind of waiting for John Wall to come back and kind of get some get get some things together. This year is kind of uh, a year where they kind of figure it out and see what they want to do moving forward. Rui Hachimura is a guy who they, they've seen some promising as a rookie, uh, but Bradley Bill is that steadying force. He'll be an all-star again. He, they probably won't be good enough for him to get all NBA consideration, but moving forward, he's still a name that if they decide to change their mind and when he's eligible to be moved again, I guess it's a, a year from now, I do believe, but he could be a guy we're having the same conversation that we've been having about Kevin Love a year from now. But uh, de- definitely just think that Bradley Beal deserves a shout-out, and maybe there's a team uh, who's got some some space to, to make next year uh, who will who, make a move for him. Obviously, that's way down the line, but I think that we should just give Bradley Beal a little more attention than he gets. I think
2: that's a great call. One of the names I, I always think about when I, when I think about Bradley Beal is Ray Allen. <laughs> and Beal in Washington has not had the success that Allen had in Milwaukee or Seattle, but really like Ray Allen's – Ray Allen's sort of career, the mythology of Ray Allen took off when he finally got to Boston and won a title, then now all of a sudden he's this Hall of Fame player mm-hmm. and he's in the same category as Reggie Miller and, and whatnot. I feel like Beale is we're gonna look back at Bradley Beale. Uh, I who knows what happens from here on out. But I, I think that like sort of how Ray Allen's Milwaukee and Seattle career is sort of like forgotten, mm-hmm. I think, and pushed pushed Uh, swept under the rug given what what he did then in Boston and later Miami. I think the same thing could happen with Beal where he's that like Hall of Fame, like he's a Hall of Fame caliber shooting guard that nobody talks about like he's a Hall, like he never is mentioned Mm -hmm. in the, and when we talk about the great guards of Steph Curry and James Harden and Russell Westbrook and Damian Lillard and and Chris Paul, and, you know, we don't like talk about Bradley Beal like that. Mm -hmm. I think we should. It's a great call.
1: Yeah. You know what's hilarious? The uh the Wizards have the fourth best offense. Their offensive rating is the same as the Lakers. Um which is crazy when you think of how that team is built um and how it, I mean everything revolves around Bradley Beal. Um what, what is there any particular team that jumps out to you guys when you think of tr- again this is this is not happening this season you can't actually be traded um but is there any team in particular that jumps out for a Beal suitor?
2: I want it to be Denver. Yeah, very bad. Yeah, that's mine too. Because I think him and Jokic are are Absolutely perfect for each other. I think he's a big enough of a difference maker that, like, I, I think they would. I think they don't have enough right now. I think if they were to somehow figure out a way to get Beal, and th- by the way, that includes if they have to get part ways with Jamal Murray or or, or Jamal Murray and Gary Harris, mm-hmm. I would do for Bradley Beal. But that Denver's the team. Denver or Dallas is the other one, but more da- so Denver.
1: Dallas, if they can make it work, well, could be yeah. uh, pretty scary. But yeah, I like both those.
0: Yeah, Toronto's a team that kind of gets mentioned a lot. And I think that if they are trying to build a certain way, and they uh, they've kind of shown that the way they're going to get big time stars is by making trades, and I don't think it's going to be a big free agent destination. Maybe that'll change in, in years to come. But <laughs> there you go. I mean, what if that? that what if they they're able to do both of those in, in the in the coming years? That'd be a pretty scary team. Probably a. Toronto landing Giannis night. and Beal. I mean, there you go. You heard, if if oh my if, if that happens, we'll go back to this pod recorded <laughs> on December seventeenth, twenty nineteen, because it will be a long time from now. Eleven fifty six a.m. Eastern. You you hear, and I think that's the perfect perfect way to close it out. So we talked about Giannis. Uh, we will see when he and the Bucks take the floor against the Lakers on Thursday. Could be a finals preview, maybe not. But we have plenty of season to play out. For Micah Adams and Scott Rafferty, I'm Gil McGregor. We'll catch you next time on NBA Sound System. You can catch all of our work on NBA.com in the meantime.